ASI 79. This is Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. My name is Russ Shaw. Welcome. Thanks for downloading the show today. Killers looking for that uh, functional savior, right? I love that song. That's a great, uh, great illustration of what I wanted to talk about today. And that's another thing: acknowledging that this is not a boys' club; that women struggle with um, sexual integrity as well. That we're, you know, this is not just some boys' club thing. I understand that. I get that. So it's another reason I play that that killer song right recording the show in studio today which is uh no i'm not rich i don't really have a studio it's my uh my old rv i bought last summer for 2600 bucks on craigslist so got it getting it running doing some work on it gonna go camping with the family this weekend even though we're in kind of a financial hardship time i i figured i'm broke i'm broke anyway i'll be broke but uh, it's time to invest in family, you know. Let's spend some time together and get out and do some stuff. So so pray for me in that. Pray that we're safe and, uh, you know, we get there. We get there in one piece. Excuse me for that. Anyways, uh, yeah, going to be driving about 130 miles in the, old, uh, in the old RV here. 79 Southwind RV with a big 440 Chrysler engine pumping cylinders, right? Carbureted. Old school. Big old quadro puke carburetor on this thing. So it's a pretty awesome engine, though, man. It's huge. And uh, anyway, for you motorheads out there, throw that one in for you. Pray for me. All right? Not just that, but being dad and uh, spending time with the kids and my wife and really investing in them this weekend. I pray that... uh, I pray that I can pull that all off without becoming a reactionary, selfish jerk that I've been in the past, pushing back. So, anyway, that song, that song is called When You Were Young. Um, I'm going to try and uh, talk about the new young, what that means, and uh, go into the shield of faith Helmet of Salvation, Sword of the Spirit, stuff like that. The full armor of God. If you are uh, just downloaded the show and you're wondering what's going on, this is a ongoing series and uh, make a lot more sense if you go to the, the beginning of the series, The Full Armor of God, and start from there. Um, other than that, uh, I wanted to say a couple of things. Uh, number one, that uh, doing a series of shows in the future called Ask Rusk. Ask the former sex addict. Ask the uh, sexual addiction ministry guy. Um, If you want to gain some wisdom, if you want to get some questions answered, if you want to just kind of understand what's going on, give me a call. Send me an email. My name is Russ 
It's russ at asi247.org. Or you can call me if you would like to be on the voicemail line. Call the show. Uh, The phone number is... Two zero six eight six six five four six zero. I found it. <laughs> there you go. Um, voicemails have gotten zero so far. So if you'd like to have your voice played on the show, I can understand if you don't. Uh, yeah, give me a call. Two zero six eight six six fifty four sixty. So continuing on. Uh, The Shield of Faith. I'm going to go into the text today. Starting in, uh, this is Ephesians 6, starting in verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Um, This is one of the big things that if you've been listening to the show for a while, that you know that I base a lot of my ministry on this scripture. Um, I don't have a lot of steps. I don't go through a number of, uh, you know, different rules and stuff. I don't have a bunch of literature printed up that you can, you know, do behavior replacement therapy with. I understand that this is a, a spiritual problem more than it's a psychological problem, and that's the truth. Uh, I've been seeing counselors and therapists and stuff like that for a long time uh, not necessarily about this issue but about a lot of other issues growing up and in, in, in the past and uh, stuff like that so I am very familiar with um, therapy, psychotherapist stuff like that, medication things of this nature um, so the shield of faith first of all what is faith? You know, what is it? Do you ever ask yourself? I mean, we all have faith in something, right? Y'all, you have to have faith, or you would stay in the house all the time, and you wouldn't go anywhere. So we, we put our faith in, in something every day. It's another kind of form of, of real worship, right? I mean, you get up every day, and you have faith that when you show up at your job, that someone's going to be there, they're going to give you a paycheck, you know? A lot of us, we drive or we take the bus and uh, we get on a street and we travel, you know, upwards of 50, 60, 70 miles an hour with nothing separating us from the uh, oncoming traffic but a thin yellow painted line. So you're going to have a lot of faith in in other people to to just be able to get through the day. But faith in in God, faith in uh, our Creator, what does that mean? How do we uh, how do we come to understand that faith and and make it tangible for our lives? So this was a big thing for me in overcoming this addiction. I really I think that the main problem was I I really didn't see God as a loving father, but more of like the principal of my high school ready to you know smack me down when I was bad or. You know, he's going to bring the hammer down on me. He's just waiting to. And that's really the the image that I saw of God. Um, This scripture about um, putting out the flaming darts of the evil one. 
If you're a Christian, you're listening to me. Um, if you're not, you're welcome. I'm glad you're listening. Um, I pray that you become a Christian. And one of the biggest reasons why is that uh, Jesus is our Savior, that, that God came to earth wrapped in flesh, missional as a man, lived amongst the people, lived in the culture, didn't run off to some temple somewhere and pray the whole time. He was actually in it with the people, with the jacked up, with the hurting people. He talked with the, the religious people. He uh, ministered to the, the broken. He healed. He fed the hungry. And this is a picture of God, right? In human flesh. Now, not having this as your worldview um, for me was was devastating right because a lot of the stuff that was fired into my mind I just kind of believed that that was me this passage in in uh, the full armor of God um, we do not fight against other people you know we fight against spirits and demons and stuff like that in heavenly realms what does the scripture say here for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against rulers against all authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places that's Ephesians 6 12 um, there is stuff that's fired into your mind that for a lot of my life, I just thought it was because I was dirty, you know, or I was just this evil person, or I had this perverted mind, or whatever it was, there was just a lot of stuff, a lot of arrows shot into my brain, into my cranium, that uh, parts of me would run away with in imagination, you know, and I just thought... I don't know if it titillated me, if it uh, intrigued me, some of these things that were fired into my mind, but my my imagination ran with them sometimes. Understanding that we have a loving Father is being able to extinguish those darts. Because like the killer song said, you know, looking for that relationship or, you know, you're this this beautiful boy to save you from your heartbreak. He doesn't look a thing like Jesus, but he's a gentleman, you know, right? It's a great analogy to the red lizard as well. The red lizard in the C.S. Lewis story. lizard that sits on this guy's shoulder and is constantly ripping on him and being a jerk to him and telling him all sorts of horrible things about himself and just talking to him all the time. And and, the guy meets this angel in the in this forest and angel says hey i can get rid of that red lizard for you and the guy goes really that'd be awesome because this thing's been ripping on me for years and it's constantly on me and it's constantly bugging me and it's just weighing me down how do i get rid of this thing i've been praying to god and thank you you can remove it that's awesome angel reaches out turns into a ball of fire and goes to grab the red lizard and the guy pulls back it's like wait there's gonna be pain involved here I'm not sure if I uh, if I want maybe we don't have to kill it you know then the red lizard hearing this starts to plead for his life hey 
He can do it. He can do what he says. He can kill me. He can end me. Then what will you do? Then who will you talk to? What will you do without me? I've been around you for so long. Who are you going to talk to? Red Lizard says, who's really your friend? Right? That's a picture of of our addiction. It, It speaks to us. It really does. And, I, you know, I heard a guy say, well, you know, Russ, you're talking about something that's speaking to you from the outside, like it's something on the outside that you don't control. Um, you don't. You really don't. And I could go into <laughs> in books I've read on psychology and brain function and bore you with all sorts of stuff like that. But basically, to sum it up, you have... Um, you have chemistry in your mind that locks you towards your addictions. It it, it does. Your body is a uh, a habit factory. Your mind is your your things that happen to you. The pleasures that you seek that we seek are functional saviors. They they do lock our flesh in uh, on this bent towards sin. So, I play that song for you, The New Young, <laughs> and I titled the show that, The Killer Song, um, When You Were Young. The This uh, analogy to being born again, Jesus talks about. He talks to, uh, he, he tells the story to a guy named Nicodemus. Now, there's some speculation on this, but I've heard that... Uh, the guy's name was Nicodemus because he was part of this uh, religious sect of Judaism called the Nicolamites, which were this hyper-legalistic um, group of people. And uh, this guy, Nicodemus, comes to Jesus, the Bible says, in the dark night. You know, he doesn't want to come to him in the day. I don't want to be seen talking to this guy during the day, but I'm going to come to him in the dark night. Because... Uh, you know, Nicodemus says, we don't we don't got it all together. We really don't. And we're a mess. We're a disaster. And we look all bright and shiny on the outside. But, you know, Nicodemus says, we, we don't got it together. And Jesus uses this metaphor that's been, I believe, highly abused in the American evangelicalism, which is to be born again. And... Uh, and it's funny that Nicodemus just doesn't get it. I mean, the guy's lived his life so much on the surface, building the surface identity that Jesus says, you know, you're going to have to be born again. Nicodemus doesn't even realize he's speaking metaphorically and says, you mean I have to crawl inside my mother's womb and actually be born again? You know, he says that. I mean, duh. It's a metaphor, dude. I mean, come on. Um but that is the uh, that is the spiritual realm, and and that's some of the stuff I'm going to talk about on the next series of shows. Because I can say this sounds like uh, you know you've heard people say, well, the Bible sounds like it's contradicting itself, and sometimes I sound like I'm contradicting myself. Um, here's something I'll tell you: I want you to be able to let yourself go, right? So you can let yourself go. 
<laughs> you know, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because I'm speaking on two different levels there. You ever heard somebody say, you know, you gain a bunch of weight or you just don't shave for a while, you start, you don't take shower and run into one of your friends and he says, hey man, you look like you've really let yourself go. Um, that's a, that's kind of a metaphor towards that slide, you know, you let your flesh get you, you let that thing, you know, take you over. Letting yourself go as far as uh, your spiritual self, living from the inside, living from your heart, living inside out, like I like to talk about. It's a different picture. And sometimes maybe you do gain some weight, I don't know, or gets kind of shabby or get kind of scruffy. A lot of spiritual people do that. Um, anyways, you know, I'm kind of digressing a little bit on this, but uh, I hope you understand what I'm saying, that, that there's two different things going on here um, as far as faith goes. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that are unseen. The facts are that the arrows and the darts that are shot into your mind, they can be extinguished. And we use that shield of faith to, to extinguish those darts. I love this picture from the, the movie 300 where this guy is holding up the shield and there's like fireworks and bombs and this huge like war going on. And, and these enemy is shooting these like firework kind of weapons at him. And it's a cool picture. This guy is holding this huge shield and on the other side of that shield is like a huge explosion of arrows and stuff. And that picture is a, a beautiful picture of, of the shield of faith, of, of what faith can look like if we could hold it in our hand and pick it up. Um, one translation says, Faith makes certain, the real, makes certain of realities we do not see. Faith means that we are confident of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. Now faith is a well-grounded assurance for that of that for which we hope and a conviction of the reality of things we do not see. There's lots of different translations here. Luke 17:5 the apostles said to the Lord, "Increase our faith." <laughs> they ask him, these are the apostles, these are the folks that hung out with Jesus. These are the twelve, right? He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. For me, overcoming this addiction was like that, like saying to a mountain, jump into the ocean, right? I mean, I thought it was that bad. I thought that I was never going to get free of this. I had been struggling with it for so many years. God will not set me free of this. You know, I was mad at God and just what is the deal and just upset and freaking out and just angry. I didn't understand, you know. I didn't understand faith. That was the one big step picking up that shield that I had to understand 
Because before I could extinguish those thoughts and let them run, I had to realize that the red lizard, that what those things were saying to me, that what they were trying to save me from, that the, uh, you know, the, the imagination of running with that was destroying me. You know? That I actually looked for something in it to save me from something. And how sick was that? Because I hated it. Because the red lizard is a liar, right? The devil is a liar. Ephesians 6 in the message says, Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. I had to realize that uh, that this thing that didn't look anything like Jesus that was speaking to me was really uh, destroying me, you know? That the more I would dip my feet in the devil's water to cool myself, the more, you know, just ingrained in that addiction and the darker and the deeper it got, okay? The porn would, you know, get to more worse stuff and, and it just got worse and worse, right? Just dip your feet in the devil's water for a little bit. Just listen to the red lizard. The red lizard says to this guy, I'll give you dreams that are almost innocent. Why would I not extinguish those fiery darts? I, I, you know, why would I not? Why would I let those little thoughts run and and let that fire spread in my mind? There was a reason for that, and one of the biggest reasons was that I looked at authority figures. I looked at God, my main authority figure, that my father, the father that was supposed to love me, right? That I thought, I thought he'd abandoned me. I thought he didn't love me. I thought I was too messed up for God to love. I thought that, uh, you know, God was a disappointed father shaking his head. Got an email from a listener who said, it's like I'm riding this tricycle and I fall down, I bloody my knee, and God's standing there shaking his head at me. Okay, that's not God. That's a real entity that exists inside you, and you may have to go in and clean that out. But that is not God. Here's another um, reply that I I did to a listener talking about this issue. Um, I said this, and, and this is coming from my own experience, from my own heart and understanding my father and my response to this kind of God's ready to bring the hammer down on you, right? Listen, God is your loving Father. The Old Testament, God's wrath and fury is a result of how things just are, right? This friend of mine is a soldier in Iraq and uh, he was talking about how his girlfriend gave this metaphor. You know, you just it would be like just running around Iraq, you know, without any boundaries, without any uh, armor, you know. You're going to get shot. Run outside the lines, run outside the fence. 
And here's the deal. If my friend got shot, would it be because God is angry with him? No. You know, the law is there to protect us. God loves us and doesn't want to see us bleed out, right? Doesn't want to see us shot by our enemies, laying their bloody on the ground. God does not wait around for you to slip up, and he's right there to punish you when you do. That is not a loving father. That is not a picture of a loving father. Is that like a drill sergeant that's just waiting for you to get shot so he can ridicule you and get pissed off at you? Do drill sergeants even do that? Their soldier, one of their soldiers does something stupid, he gets shot? I don't know. If God waits for anything in our lives, it's for us to realize what he already has for us. God's wrath was spilled out on Jesus Christ. That's the power of the cross. The cross is our redemption, not our behavior. And that's a tough one to figure out because underneath your behavior, underneath letting yourself go, letting yourself go is understanding love, right? The only reason we jacked up sinners love at all because he first loved us. That's in 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. It's not all about religion, right? I mean, Nicodemus is, is like, you know, we, we look good, man. We, we got the, the law down, but our hearts are cold, right? Who's going to save us from our heartbreak? 2 Corinthians 5.21, I talk about this one a lot on this show. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Listen, he became a pervert, a sex addict, an adulterer, a porn freak. He became all of that. All your, your knee-jerk anger same-sex attraction, whatever it is that you reach for. And Jesus, in his person and work, is how we can become the righteousness of God. I'll let you into to my story here a little, okay? The guy who sexually abused me, he didn't threaten to kill my parents or a puppy or something like that. He said, go ahead and tell. No one raped you. You came back back for it you are right here with it in it with the rest of us you sick little freak he said just look at your behavior right then he said this if you tell do you think your parents will still love you listen if they knew how sick and perverted you really are do you think they would still love you I was nine years old, and that tape had been playing in my head for 30 years. Okay, being sexually abused doesn't give me an excuse to sin. It doesn't give you an excuse to sin. Whatever happened to you in your life, I got an email from another listener who said, listen, I was never sexually abused, and I had a pretty good home. I have no excuse. Listen, I have no excuse either. We all listen to the Red Lizard for different reasons. Some of us, it's deeply, it's deeply ingrained, right? A little deeper. Some of us, it isn't. 
if you haven't been sexually abused, I think that you could have a lot easier time with uh, your recovery. And maybe not. Depending on how much you reach for that, how much you latch on to, to that thing with both hands, wrap your hands around it and say, God, no, hands off, this is mine. Jesus is just trying to save us from it, right? Like the great surgeon, he's pushing on that pain in your life. The reason you're listening right now is because of that pain in your life, right? God is pressing on that, going, hey, it hurts here, don't it? Something underneath here you need to deal with. There's a reason for that, okay? Behavior is such a, you know, just going after the behavior is, isn't going to work. The queen ant underneath it is love, right? Listen, it's important for you to realize deep in your soul that God has already punished Jesus on behalf of your sins, past, present, and future. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. And the book of Hebrews says, the altar is closed. Jesus paid it all. So even your good deeds are as filthy rags before him. Isaiah 64, 6 through 8 all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. Verse 7, No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have made us waste away because of our sins. Yet, Lord, you are our Father. I love this part. <laughs> Verse 8 my favorite. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Like our Father, right? Not our jacked-up earthly Father, but our Father in heaven. Counting our marks of sobriety as a victory... I mean, if we're going to do that, let's do that to love deeper, right? Getting closer to the goal of living fully, of really living our lives. You know, the the, the red lizard, the end of that story, the angel reaches out, and the guy says, okay, go ahead and kill it, take it. He reaches out, he grabs the red lizard, he throws it to the ground, and it turns into a beautiful stallion. And this this uh, ghostly phantom creature turns into a light, jumps on the stallion and rides it off into heaven. It's from the book The Great Divorce. Um, you know, it's it's, re- it's really the the main part of faith. It, it, the biggest thing that I can get you to understand in your faith is how much God loves you. Not that He's going to bring the hammer down on you. You know, it'd be like throwing a book of rules in front of your five-year-old and saying, if you do these things, then I'll love you. No, God is a good, loving daddy. <clears throat> and the thing with desire, C.S. Lewis says the problem is not desire, is that we don't desire enough. We are content to play in a mud puddle when a holiday at the beach is within our grasp. John 10.10, 10, this is on all my emails. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that there 
may that they may have life and have it to the full. That's the NIV. Um, that scripture really ticked me off. <laughs> I went I would go on sales calls and uh I walked in this building and I would set down, you know, bags and bags of pizza at this private Christian school in front of this big um letters scripture on the wall. The school was called Life Christian and, and on the wall in the cafeteria was this sign that said I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, John 10.10. And this was when I was struggling through my addiction and really in this place where I thought God hated me or was mad at me or was angry with me. And uh, I just remember being ticked off and looking up that scripture and praying that out. God, if that's true, please help me, you know. I think that scripture is where my love for God where where I started to bring back started to rebuild my relationship with him so the evidence of things unseen I pray that you understand that that is that God's your father right that he loves you that he wants the best for you Romans 6 you know, we, we understand grace, and, and it's kind of like another, you know, it's like the other side of the scale for the uh, legalistic um, religious people is this attitude that, well, we just have grace, and we can, you know, oh, I have grace, and God loves me, and I can do what I want, and, you know, and God will forgive me because he's my loving father, right? Romans six one says, uh, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, that may we too may walk in newness of life. You know? That's what C.S. Lewis is talking about. And Jesus talks about that surface identity, you know, that, that we're building. And he says, listen, if you're willing to die to that, then you'll live. You know? It's kind of like letting yourself go to let yourself go, Right? If you're willing to die to that surfacey guy that you've been investing in all these years, that surfacey woman that, you know, all of your whole identity is tied up in either what you do, what you look like, who you can attract. Jesus says, you know, if you're willing to die to that, live out of your heart, then you really live. I love that. You know, Living the way, you know, just just sinning all over the place so that grace may abound. It's kind of like, I heard the story of this spoiled rich kid, right? His dad loves him and, and uh, actually adopted him out of this uh, AIDS-infested, like, uh, tribe in Africa where, you know, sadly, most of the adults had died of AIDS. And this kid, um, he's adopted into this family, and uh, 
you know, no parents, nothing. And he's like five years old and he's adopted. I mean, talk about your savior, right? Talk about a gift from God. Well, the same boy turns uh, 17. He gets a car, right? He just gets spoiled. And because his father's jacked up and a sinner like the rest of us, you know, he just kind of loves his son and wants to give him the best, you know. Buys his son this nice, beautiful, you know, $80,000 car. And he goes out and he goes out drugging with his friends, gets drunk and does some X. Gets really high. Does it get in a car accident? Kill some of his friends? No. Comes home. His father finds out about it. And what does he say? Well, you did this and you did that. I mean, just that's kind of how we are, right? Just kind of shaking his fist at his father. When, when, when our father lets us drive, lets us have our jobs, lets us have our children, lets us have our wives, look at how much our father has given us. And we kind of shake our fist at him with this, you know, attitude of entitlement. We 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 spit on grace, right? Understanding grace is understanding how much he loves us. And that's the biggest part of it right there. You know, some people look at grace and go, well, you know, God doesn't really love me. I'm like, you know, I've got grace. Like you're getting off on some kind of legal technicality. You know, like you found some loophole in the law, it's called grace, and you don't have to go to hell now, but does God really want to bring you into heaven, into relationship with him? You know, we feel like no. That's just sad, you know. That's not love. That's not why Jesus came. That's not why he spilled his blood on the cross. Having faith in that, man, is so important. I pray that you guys get there. I pray that that's the main thing that you understand. It's not, you know, I, I think it's great that we want to be like Jesus. I mean, I had a guy send me an email about karma, and I think that all that is true. There's a lot of truth to to doing the right thing to get something good back and being kind to other people and walking in Jesus' footsteps and being like Jesus. But I think underneath that, the most important thing you can understand is who Jesus is and what he's come to do and why. Okay? Because when we can understand how much he loves us, discipline follows. You can see those darts enter your mind, hit the floor of your house, start burning the carpet, and you can see the fire spread and put it out. You can you can put it out. Or you can hit those darts with a shield before they impact you, before they catch your house on fire, right? You can bounce those, those arrows, those bolts from that crossbow fired by the devil at you. You can bounce them off that shield of faith. You can extinguish those darts instead of letting them burn. Because that's what we're doing when we let our imagination run away. We're choosing to do that. You know, we, we really are. We're putting a middle finger in the face of our father who's bought us the $80,000 car. You know, 
Wake up from your functional hell. However think bad you think you have it, you have no clue. You have no idea how the rest of the world lives. There is a lot of people in dire hurt and pain. Um, one more thing I wanted to, to cover is, is uh, love God, love people, right? Love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And love people as yourself. And Jesus says the whole law hangs on these two things. And I wanted to talk about having an, an attitude of gratitude and in choosing to live out our faith from our hearts is to uh, to really understand that that attitude of gratitude. And and I saw I read a story that uh, my mom actually sent me, and I thought it was a great uh, illustration of this. I'll uh, I'll read it to you. Tom Matthews is a guy who uh, wrote a book. No, wait a minute. It's, uh, hold on a second. Yeah, it's by Tom Matthews. Um, Aim for the Heart is the name of the book. It's about uh, leadership. And we're all leaders, man. We're all walking around. We have people that are in our sphere of influence, and we impact people every day. What is the attitude behind how we impact people? How is our faith in understanding how much God loves us over our functional hell and how bad it is? Do we take people for granted? And if we sit there and look at how bad our lives are, we sit there and we wallow around in our functional hell, right? It's really tough to see outside of ourselves. It's kind of hard to live inside out when we, when we have that attitude. And I'm just as guilty, man. I'm working on this stuff too. As far as loving our our families, you know, to start with, and then the people at work and stuff like that. Check this out. As a leader, do you honor and appreciate the power of we? Do you stop to thank and recognize the members of your team? Do you consistently show an attitude of gratitude? I recently read a, read a great story about Captain Charles Plum a graduate from the Naval Academy whose plane, after 74 successful combat missions over North Vietnam, was shot down. He parachuted to safety, but was captured and tortured and spent 2,103 days in a small, box-like cell. After surviving the the ordeal, Captain Plum received the Silver Star, Bronze Star, and the Legion the Legion of Merit and Two Purple Hearts and returned to America and spoke to many groups about his experience and how it compared to the challenges of everyday life. Shortly after coming home, Charlie and his wife were sitting in a restaurant. A man rose up from a nearby table, walked over, and said, You're plum. You flew jet fighters in Vietnam from the aircraft carrier Kitty Hawk. You were shot down. Surprised that he was recognized, Charlie responded, How in the world did you know that? The man replied, I packed your parachute. Charlie looked up with surprise. The man had pumped his hand, gave a thumbs up, and said, I guess it worked. I love that. Charlie stood to share the. Charlie stood to shake the man's hand and assured him, 
it most certainly did work. If it had not worked, I would not be here today. Charlie could not sleep that night, thinking about the man. He wondered if he have, might have seen him and not said, Good morning, how are you? He thought of the many hours the sailor had spent bending over a long wooden table at the bottom of the ship, carefully folding the silks and weaving the shrouds of each chute, each time holding in the hands in his hands the fate of someone he did not know. Plum had begun to realize that along with his, the physical parachute he needed, emotional and spiritual parachutes, that he had called he had called on these supports during the long, painful ordeal. As a leader, how many times a day, a week, or a month do we pass up the opportunity to thank those people around us who are packing our parachutes? Do you ever thank your wife for packing your parachute sometimes? The people at work it's that it's a it's a different attitude. It's an attitude of gratitude when you realize how many people serve you and how many people pack your chute. You know, I, I was talking about how worship is really what what do we put our hope in? We wake up every morning, we put our hope in something. We put our hope in God. We thank the hope giver for the people around us. Look at the people that God has put in our lives. You know, if there's any way to break out of your functional hell, it's understanding that, how much we're loved. And I pray that we don't take that for granted. Thanks for listening. My name is Russ Shaw. This is ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. I wanted to uh, say thank you. There's some of you guys who have sent in emails and packed my parachute. <laughs> thank you for that. Donations. I thank you for for any donations you could send uh, my way as a in a financial hardship time here this summer. Um. More than that, I, I ask for your prayers. If you could pray for me, that would be awesome. Keep me in your prayers, and I thank you for all of your prayers that you give, that you send my way as well. I appreciate and I admire every single one of you who are listening. This is not an easy thing to pick up, shield of faith. And, and I thank you that you're doing it. I thank you that you're taking little steps of faith, however small they are, man. I I pray that you're uh, you're doing that, and and I my hats off to you, man. I I really appreciate every single one of you, and I hope you understand that. I thank God for all of you who are listening. Until next week, remember, thank somebody, thank somebody for packing your parachute. Ask God to to show you how much he loves you too. You know, go through that, pray that out with God. Really, do you really love me like that? Like Russ talked about, do you really love me that much? Reveal yourself to me, Lord. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for these. 
Thank you for our lives. Holy and precious name, we pick up the shield of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, life is 20% the stuff that happens to you and 80% how you react to that 20% behind your eyes. Not based on what other people are doing, but how you react.